Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word. God bless you. I really want to minister to you this morning. If you're here for the first time after maybe you're at Easter, wonderful, I saw that hand. I'm so glad you're here. Good for you, sweetheart. I'm very happy you're here. And then up the back there, awesome. We're so glad you're here. Maybe you're here for the second time. If you're here for the second time, lift your hand up high. Yes, a few people came back after Easter. We're so happy to have you back. Let's really savour these last few moments in this beautiful environment that, that God has blessed us with. It may look like a former bar and roadhouse where people did, um, don't break my heart, my achy, breaky heart. But I'm, I'm telling you, what God has forged in East County during this season is so significant because you guys are going from almost like working behind the scenes to out front and centre. And I know that the plan that God has for East County is a very significant one. God's hand is on this part of San Diego. We're very quickly going to see things start to turn from poverty to abundance, from dysfunction to health. This is actually going to be one of the most solid places. House prices are going to rise. I've said this before because it's going to become a very, very desirable part of California to live in. I want to say this. The, the church globally is shaking right now as God cleans house. And, and God is not a virtue signaler. He doesn't point out in other people what is an issue in his own household. God's not. That's, that's the definition of virtue signaling is I'm going to project on everybody else what God is wanting to do in me. So instead of dealing with the enormous log in my own eye, I'm going to point out the splinter in everybody else, right? That's what virtue signaling is. God is the complete, you know, he is virtuous. He is virtue to start with. But God always deals with his house first. In the church around the world, we are in a time of great reckoning. And it's, and it's not reckoning that is happening to, to in any way condemn, but rather to get us ready and well equipped to be able to properly disciple the great harvest that God is going to bring into the church. If we're as flippin' jacked up as the rest of the world, how the heck are we going to disciple them when they get here? They're coming in all addicted and bound and dysfunctional and drunk and parting their face off and, you know, waking up to a mountain of regrets every morning and they find the same thing in the church. How can we minister to people if we're afflicted with the same illnesses? So, so God is doing something mighty in His people. So never resent that season. It's actually, it's, it's God, God's love on display. So I want to, I definitely want to, want to, put us all, including myself, under God's microscope today. The title of my message is How to Progress Out of Your Mess. And all of us, regardless of who we are, 
where we come from, will be born into a level of mess. We do not get to choose our family of origin. And some of us were born into some jacked up mess. Some of us were born into families where dysfunctional was the name of the game. But let me tell you, regardless of how squeaky clean your family may look on the outside, I'm telling you, you scratch the surface of anyone's family, there are skeletons underneath you all. So you'll find yourself having to reckon with stuff, your own choices, but then also the choices of the people that have gone before you. So how do we progress out of our mess? There's a man in the book of Judges, his name is Gideon, and I love Gideon. Judges is full of some of the most incredible heroes and heroines in the Bible. It's one of the most, like, outrageous books in the Bible. If you haven't read Judges, read Judges, and you will never again say that the Bible is boring, ever. They were out of control. There is no Housewives franchise that could match what is happening in the book of Judges. It's like where the Game of Thrones meets, you know, like Yellowstone meets 1883, a dash of Real Housewives scandal, and then you might just come close to to the book of Judges. But I love Gideon because Gideon was an unlikely hero. His story, I think, is probably one that every single believer can relate to. And in his story, you could break it down into, I think, three different segments. And I believe that's really the, the process of what happens to us when, we, when we're born again, when we come to Christ. It's almost like there's a process. There's, there's three scenes that we will find ourselves in, that we will find ourselves repeating as we go through life. So I'm going to start to read to you from Gideon's story. We're going to start reading in Judges chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to throw it up on the screen. You can probably get there before I can. All right. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. So straight away, we see God is a good dad. His kids are getting up to no good. So he's like, you know what? You're not going to listen to me. I'm going to let you live in the fruit of your consequences. So God is not a snowplow parent. He's not a rescuer. Uh, well, he, he rescues to a degree, but he lets you learn a thing or two on the way. I'm going to let you sit in your mess for a bit till you realize that those choices are not leading you anywhere you want to go. So he delivered them into the hand of the Midianites for seven years. And the, le- the, the hand of Midian, the enemy, the evil enemy, prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So they are living far beneath their assignment and their purpose as God's children to be chief amongst the mountains, to be influencers on the earth. They are oppressed, they are afraid, and they are impoverished. Next, next scene. So it was, whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up, also the Amalekites and the people of the east, not you guys. They would come up against them. Next. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. So here's where Gideon and the Israelite people find themselves. They are in a mess. Somebody say they're in a mess. 
But God is not afraid of our mess. In fact, he runs to our mess because he knows how to clean it up. But what's interesting to me about this particular scripture is that the enemy would come and destroy the produce. Doesn't say that he would, that the enemy would steal the produce. Stealing, I, I kind of understand. You have what I want, so I'm going to take it. Now, I don't agree with it, but I, I understand the thought behind it. I'm going to take what you have because I want it. And I'm going to get it through nefarious means. Okay, wrong, bad, but I understand it. But destroying the produce, this, this, is, this is, could only be demonic. When you see the signature of destruction over your family line, it is, sure as I'm standing here, the fingerprints of the enemy. God wants to deliver you and the generations after you out of the mess you're in. So how do you progress out of the mess? Let's have a look at the story of Gideon and we'll see how God stepped into his world and brought something beautiful out of something that was so, so broken. In Judges chapter 6, verse 11 to 16, it says this. This is God's encounter with Gideon and Gideon's encounter with God. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So Gideon is fed up with having his stuff destroyed. So he's, he's keeping his business open illegally. They're in the middle of a lockdown and a shutdown. He's like, you know what, Governor Newsom? You're not having my stuff. I will not comply. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Why is my life in a mess? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. Interesting that he sees it that way. And he's given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? Now listen to this. My clan is the weakest. My clan is the messiest. And I am the messiest in my family. But the Lord answered, I will be with you. If you don't hear anything else today, hear that. When you're in a messy state, the game changer is the understanding that God is with you. How do you progress out of your mess? The first thing you've got to understand is that God is with you. And do you know what I've realized in 47 years of living and 30 years of, of being in ministry? That we can actually get through anything well when we know that God is with us. We, we really can. God is with you. God is with you. For my friends who are here for the first or second time, you need to hear this today. God is with you. And when God is with you, you understand that there is nothing that you cannot get through. Amen. But, but this first scene I like to call the encounter. He encounters God. And you'll find that when you come to Christ, it's, it's a beautiful moment where we allow God to come in and wash away 
all the negative words and the negative labels that corrupt men who were literally just doing the devil's bidding have spoken over us. Listen to what Gideon is saying about himself. I am the least of the least. And of the least of the least, I'm the least of them. His self-esteem is so shut. And I don't know whether it was because he didn't have a good daddy who didn't give him enough attaboys and praise him and love him rightly. I don't know whether they're just thoughts that he was born into. He just grew up with this disposition to seeing himself as less than. But nonetheless, when we encounter Gideon, he does not look like a hero. But how beautiful is God in this encounter scene? He comes to his son. He comes to his daughters and he says, let me wash away every lie that the world has spoken over you. We cannot progress out of our mess unless we first let God give us a revelation of who we truly are. I I wonder how many people have been living down to the lie that corrupt, wicked, ungodly people have spoken over you. And make no mistake, sometimes those words come from the places that we least expect. A mother or a father Maybe they even loved you. Maybe they even loved you, but words were spoken over you, labels put on you that you have lived under for your whole life and it's not who you are. So God had to send an angel from heaven to come to Gideon and interrupt the negative narrative that he was amening over his own life and say, Gideon, that's not who you are. You are not the least of the least. I see a mighty warrior. What word... Do you need to allow God to come and wash away from your life today? What was spoken over you that were not the words of your heavenly Father, words of men, maybe a teacher who spoke something? Do not underestimate the power that a teacher has. And it's the reason they're trying to fill our public school system with the most woke bunch of freaks you've ever met in your life. Because the devil knows if I can label them at five, six, seven, get them bound in confusion over who they are. Speak a lie over them that they will grow up or down into, then I've got them. But he didn't bet on the God factor. God will send an angel from heaven with a message from God to remind you of who you truly are and wash away the lies that wicked people have spoken over you. Sometimes it's a sibling. I mean, you can be simultaneously loved by your siblings and they can do the most horrible demonic things. They can be both the voice of life and nurture and the voice carrying a message from the enemy. How sad is this? But we've got to open our eyes to it. I remember growing up and I I love my sisters and my sisters love me. But as a little girl, it was affirmed over and over me that I was stupid. And I think the reason was, was because I had a bit of ADD. And I'm telling you, if the teacher wasn't interesting, I wasn't listening. (laughs) And now I understand there is a burden on every teacher. If you want me to listen to you, then don't be boring. I, I actually don't think I had ADD. I think I just had like a severe aversion to boredom. I think the greatest crime of every teacher is to be boring, especially when you're teaching the Bible. My gosh. 
so, so as a result, because I didn't learn how everybody else learned, and if they were boring, I would find myself just daydreaming about other things. I'd be off in other planets. I'd be over here in my future. How many babies am I going to have? And what will their names be? And, you know, I'd imagine myself in all these scenarios. I had the best imagination ever. And they wanted to bring me down to algebra, dear God. And I have still never, ever used that in my entire life, by the way. But isn't it amazing even that, oh, Leanne, I remember a teacher saying to me, and this is the power of any word of an authority. If they come to you as an authority, big sister, mum, dad, doctor, teacher, scout leader, sports coach, they wear a cloak of authority and understand their words have power and they have weight. But that power and weight is not greater than your heavenly father. So you've got to allow him to come and wash those sticky words off and reveal to you who you truly are. But, but I grew up thinking these things about myself and I lived under a lie for a long time. And if I can share anything with you today, don't wait as long as I did to get free from that. Do you know how much time I spent feeling like I was stupid? And the reality is, and I say this with all humility, I am one of the smartest people I know. <laughs> like, uh, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just like, Leanne, like the, the stupidest thing I ever did was believe that I was stupid for so long, yeah. if, if I'm honest. So what did they say about you? And what did they say about you? And what did they say about you? And what did they say about you that you have been living under and living down to that God wants to break off you today? Just like he sent an angel of the Lord from heaven to get a message to Gideon. How beautiful is God? He finds a messy, scared, broke down man hiding in a wine press and he sends an angel to get the right message to him. I loved the hero play um, this season for so many reasons. One of them was there is a particular scene where there are two prostitute women who are caught up in, in the life of their prostitution and they're, they're trying to affirm themselves as worthless and we're never going to be royal. We're always going to be somebody's good time, but we're okay with that. We don't need to be a wife. We don't need to be a queen. We're good to just be a prostitute because look at this money we've made. And then all of a sudden, the angels walk in and they interrupt that narrative. God is wanting to do that to you today. Can he interrupt your narrative? Stop believing those lies. We cast them off in the name of Jesus. Do you know I did? I did an IQ test about 10 years ago. I have an IQ of over 120. I couldn't believe it. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have been believing for so long that I'm stupid. Look how it's robbed me. How has that unfair label robbed you? Can we take a look in the mirror today and go, it is enough now. I'm not gonna rehearse the words of the enemy. I'm not going to rehearse the words of wicked people who, who tried to bring me down. I am going to rehearse the words of my heavenly father. And this more than anything, it's a book of love. It is a love letter. The Bible tells us in the book of James that this book is like a mirror. Look in it. It's who you are. 
If you live under those ugly labels, you'll find yourself living down to them. Rather live up to the words of your heavenly Father. Your Creator knows who you are. The one who made you is the only one who is allowed to label you. I got no business labeling something that I didn't create. Your God created you and he's the only one who is allowed to label you. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let the Lord wash you today. And in fact, right now, let's do that. Just just as you're sitting, lift your hands to the Lord. Let him. Some of you need to go back to go forward. That word that was spoken over you as a five-year-old little boy when you, you scored an own goal in soccer or you tripped over or somebody called you uncoordinated. Oh, look at him. He's a pansy. Look at him. Uh, and you were, the, you were the joke of the schoolyard for years and it impacted you so deeply. You were living under a lie. That's not who you are. Let God show you a true picture of who you are. Or when you were a little girl and you were, you were abused sexually, somebody took advantage over you and that wicked person spoke lies into your spirit and you grew up under them. And your life has now become a self-fulfilling prophecy of those lies. Let the Lord interrupt that demonic narrative today and show you who you are. You are God's beloved daughter. He loves you. You are a princess. You were born to be royal. Father, every sticky word, every negative word spoken over your sons and your daughters that you love, I stand as their pastor today and I declare in Jesus' name, get off them, devil. We break the power of those lies today in Jesus' name. Father, give them a revelation of who they are today. Father, pour your love and give them specific words about who you have created them to be. They are not the least of the least. You look at them and you see mighty warriors, mighty warrior princesses in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 But, but we, got, we, gotta, we gotta have those moments where we encounter God. Like, you're not gonna hear this if every time you're in the car, you're listening to the radio, listen to apple bottom, jean, jeans, boots with the fur, with the fur. Now, you know, I don't know if it's a bad song, but it's not going to change your life. That's why I make the decision, not out of legalism, but out of liberation. I'm only going to let words that build me be spoken over me. So, so you're going to hear, protector, he'll never, never, never let me go. You said you'd never leave me and you won't. You're right by my side. Protector, I come out of agreement, come on, with the lie that you have left me on my own. I am not alone. I come out of agreement with the worry and the fear I've come to know. They won't have a hold on me. Protector. <laughs> That's as far as my voice will go. Come on. So it's not about, oh, you only listen to Christian music, you square. 
No, it's only, I, I only listen to Christian music because there is a narrative I need in a broken world that wants to slime me every day and wants to try to reduce me to nothing. I will not let corrupt, perverted, broken men walking in the devil's assignment tell me who I am. My heavenly father will tell me who I am. My heavenly father has a narrative over my life and he has one over your life. It's time to change the channel. What words are you letting being spoken over you? It's time to change it. Here comes the music. That escalated quickly. I got two points to go, so I'll, I'll, I'll move quickly. I just know the Lord is doing a great, a great work here regardless of what I say. The Lord is here. He's wanting to dislodge some lies today. You've been living under a lie and that's why your life is a mess. Gideon needed an encounter with God. Oh God, minister to me. And I find that we have to continually come back to having encounters with God because people, as much as we love them, they don't change. They're still going to spit venom. They're still going to speak lies. They're still going to try to reduce you down or project on you what they're feeling in their own hearts. That's why we need a saviour. That's why we need to come to God daily. Oh, Father, wash me. Take those wounds out of my heart. How, how have I managed to say, stay soft in a world that's so hard? I, I make a choice to encounter God every day. I'm not going to believe lies anymore. They robbed me for too long. I'm not going to live as the casualty of a lie anymore. I'm going to live up to God's truth about who Leanne Metesius is. Yeah. And you can too. The second encounter that we see that Gideon has is an encounter where God comes to him. And I'll get you guys to put that scripture up on the screen. For time, I won't read the whole thing. But in Judges 6, 25 to 27, it says that after God comes and recalibrates Gideon's thoughts about himself, he says to him, now Gideon, now I want you to deal with the root. Because you're messy, because the world is messy, because of your background, your nation, the culture of the, the country you're in, as well as your own choices. I'm going to wash that away. But now I want to deal with the root issue. There's a root issue. There's always a root issue to why your life is messy. It's not injustice or un unfairness. They may be part of the story, but there's a root. There's a root that God wants to bring out. In fact, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, God will lay his axe to the root of every tree that does not bear good fruit and he will get it, throw it into the furnace. So he doesn't just uproot it, he destroys it. So God wants to deal with the symptoms. So God comes to Gideon and says, okay, the issue is this. There's idolatry in your family. And the reason the Midianites keep coming in and destroying your stuff is that you have been withholding parts of your life from me. You've been bowing your knee to things that are robbing from you. So you're in this constant cycle of messiness and dysfunction and oppression. I want to reveal to you the source of the mess. So he says to him, Gideon, I want you to go to your father's house and I want you to tear down the idols of Baal and Asherah. Now, now this was mind-blowing revelation to Gideon because he grew up with these idols. They were both 
Christian and worldly. They had one foot over here and one foot over there. Sundays they were in church. Midweek they were over in the clubs. Okay? How a lot of American Christians live. And, and God had to come to him and say, the reason your life is a mess is because you're living in compromise. There's some issues here. And you may not see it as, as the reason, but it's the reason. And some of us, God is going to open our eyes to what's in our family line or in our lives as the source of the mess. The way you deal with conflict, the way you handle relationships, those inner vows that you've made that you need to recant and renounce, those things are the reason your life is in a mess. It's not enough for God to wash us like any natural birth. In a natural birth, when a baby is born, the baby is washed. And then on the eighth day in the Jewish tradition, the baby is cut. I'm talking about circumcision. It's not as popular today. It's not about the act as much as it is about the symbolism. God cuts away that which causes infection, let's say. God does the same thing in us when we're born again. We encounter him, he washes us. But then will you let him cut you in places that are private and sensitive and personal? I can't promise you it's not going to cause pain. But when God comes with a knife, we don't need to fear him. He's not a butcher. He's a skillful surgeon. Surgery can hurt, but good surgery, God's surgery, will lead to healing. Will always lead to healing. So our homework is, can we go home and get before the, before the Lord and say, God, what idols, what have I been bowing my knee to in my father's house that may have felt like normal and familiar and I'm so used to this, but it's actually the source of the mess. Let, it, let him show you. He had to do that for me. It wasn't just that I thought I was stupid. The reality was when I look back across my family line, I saw a pattern of rejection that I had to deal with. I accepted lies over myself because there was a sense of worthlessness in my family for generations. And when I stopped and I did an inventory with the Lord, and I think one thing that is, we've lost in society and definitely in the church is the need for self-reflection with the Holy Spirit. To actually take some time to do what King David did in the Psalms. Oh Lord, search me. Know me. Test my every anxious thought. See that there be no wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. God will not hide from you the source of the mess and the dysfunction. He, he's ready and willing and wanting to reveal it. But when he does, when he shows you, ah, you've got, you, you believed a lie here because of this. There's a poverty spirit that's been trying to take your family out. There's a victim spirit that's been trying to take your family out. There's a spirit of fear trying to take your, there's a, there's a spirit of addiction. Look, I don't want to make it too deep and heavy. But there are definitely demonic powers that have been assigned to every family to destroy them. So you got to stand up like Gideon did as a cycle breaker and understand when you stand up with God, you cannot lose. You cannot, it is impossible for you to lose. 
you can be a cycle breaker like Gideon was a cycle breaker. I love it that God exposed the source of the mess and the dysfunction to Gideon and he didn't just hear it, he did it. He obeyed. Many of us come to church and we hear a word about the things that oh, I need to let God come in and have access to that area and cut it away. But we're not obedient. We keep going on the same trajectory and then whining about how our life sucks. It sucks because you're not doing what God told you to do. It's, it's that simple. Like actually the Christian life is not complex. It can sometimes be difficult to do the things he's asked, but it's not complicated. It will require a level of self-sacrifice. So, you know, I had to go on a journey with God to get free from this spirit of rejection and this fear. And it, it wasn't easy. It was, it was difficult. And change doesn't happen overnight, but, but it does happen. And I want to put courage in you today because often things of this nature, you don't have to just fight them once. You fight them once on one level, but then you're continually fighting them. But, but just like you would scale a mountain, and some of you are getting discouraged because you're like, wow, I'm facing this same issue again. I thought I was free from that spirit of lust and the, oh, and here it is again. What the hell is wrong with me? Nothing. Look, you're progressing up the mountain. You're fighting it again, but you're fighting it at a different level. Come on. Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking. You're going to make it. You're going to make it because God is with you. Deal with those idols. Let him show you what they are and then be obedient to his leading. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, when you hear God speaking, do not harden your hearts as they did in the days of rebellion. Problem with a lot of Christians, especially American Christians, of which I am one, is that we, hear, we, we are so full of the Word of God, but our, our obedience is lacking. We don't do what he tells us to do. And then we want to moan and complain about how our life looks. The ball's in your court, friend. God is there with his scalpel. And just as we see God's kindness to cleanse us in scene one, in scene two, the obedience, we see God's kindness, but with a scalpel. Will you trust him with the scalpel today? He didn't reveal those idols to Gideon to shame him, but to say, Gideon, don't you want to be free of this? Don't you want to not have to thresh wheat in a wine press to hide it from an oppressive enemy anymore? Don't you want things to be better than they've been? Then trust me, here I come with my knife. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. So that's what Gideon did. And then lo and behold, when he tears down the idols, the whole town loses their ever-loving minds and they want to kill him. And you will find the same thing. When you step out to give your life completely to God and deal with some of that stuff in your family line, you will find all of hell will break loose. And family members that felt so placated in the fact that you were sinning along with them, all of a sudden want to point their finger, oh, you think you're better than us. And they're going to judge and they're going to criticise and they're going to turn up the heat against you. But stand firm. You can with, with, uh, withstand some persecution. Be courageous because eventually the tables will turn, just like they did for Gideon. So Gideon was persecuted for the stand he took. But then eventually everybody started to come out of their spell and they noticed, look at Gideon. Oh my gosh, his life is changed. Gideon, we want to be like you. Some of you... Your parents weren't good role models. Now you can use that as an excuse 
or you can actually use it as a reason and a motivator to stand up and be the cycle breaker in your family line. Don't complain about what your mum and dad didn't do. You do it. You be the one. You be the Gideon. Gideon impacted his father, Joash. It ha- kind of happened in reverse. So Joash, if, if, you know, if we're honest, he should have, if it was done the right way, been a great role model to his son of how, how warfare looks, how, how to live life well in such a way that you can hand on to the generation after you a better life, not a worse one. But he didn't do that. So Gideon, instead of complaining, he got his complaining out early because that's what we like to complain us humans. But eventually he took responsibility. God showed him and he said, you know what? If I have to be the cycle breaker in my family line, then so be it. You know what? They gave him a superhero name. They changed his name from Gideon to Jerubbabel, which means if Baal is real, let him plead for himself. Baal Slayer. He was like things that Marvel comics are made of. Let me tell you today, you have been commissioned and assigned to be a cycle breaker in your family line. That poverty can end with you. That anxiety can end with you. That addiction can end with you. That unfaithful spirit that has had every man in your family cheating on their wives can end with you. That pornography addiction that was in every man before you can end with you. That propensity to worry, ladies, that your mother had and your grandmother had and your great-great-grandmother had can end with you. You are a cycle breaker. Allow the Lord in to reveal what it is that is causing the mess and then be faithful to let him address it and then be obedient to what he is leading. Amen, amen. And then the final part, and you can, you can pretty much break the Christian life into three parts, encounter, obedience, and assignment. And you'll keep visiting all, you'll need to visit all of them because of the brokenness of this world. I'd love to tell you that sticky words don't come my way and leave them up, but they do. And so I have to come to the Lord. And I would like to say that I never have to be obedient because I'm always doing the right thing. Wrong. God is always showing me stuff, Leanne. You need to deal with this. You need to let me, that fear that puts you on a treadmill. I'm telling you, aging is the pits. It is. And there are sometimes I look in the mirror, I'm like, wow, okay. Getting on there, girl. And I have to realise, wow, God, I don't want to be in bondage to an image of what women should look like. I, of course, want to be the best me, but, but I've got a daughter to raise and a company of women, cherish women, that I'm their role model. And I want, to, I want to age well, not in bondage to a Hollywood image that I have to look 25 till I'm 95. I'm, I, I can't. I can't do it. So... I have to allow the Lord to go, okay, Leanne, what about you needs that affirmation? Like, let me cut it out. Dang it. Okay. Ah, No Botox for me. Not really. (laughs) I lie. I'm still getting it. But I won't get too much. I just say that. I promise to always look like me. (laughs) Oh, it took a turn. And then finally, the final point is this. Accept your assignment. 
So Gideon is washed of God, obedient to God, and then God hands him an assignment. I want you to gather all of the Israelites and then some others are going to come help you and you're going to take care of these rascally Midianites once and for all. And you are going to restore peace to Israel, which is what he did. Do you know his actions? Purchased 40 years of peace for the nation of Israel. But he didn't just stop at his own washing, his own cutting. He then became a freedom fighter for others. And this is the assignment of every believer. Let me tell you about a pet peeve of mine. A pet peeve of mine is the growing amount of Rancho Santa Fe women Bible studies built of women who will not get involved in church, will not serve, will not give to church and want their own little groups where they just prophesy over each other all day long. It's so selfish. You were called to have a mission and an assignment to set other people free. Not gather your friends around and just prophesy over each other all the live long day. You're actually called to go out into the whole world and make disciples. So just as I've been delivered from a spirit of fear and anxiety and intimidation and rejection, there is now a mantle on my life to deliver the people from that as well. Leanne Yaba, who was in the first service, she has an incredible testimony of freedom from addiction. Many, many, many years later, she is starting a revolution through Awaken Academy of using her freedom, her testimony of how God delivered her out of her mess to help other people get out of their mess. And that's the cycle. That's how God works. One of my favourite, favourite stories in American history is this. You guys would have heard of Harriet Tubman, right? I mean, incredible. Her story is so unique, not in the sense that she was a slave that was freed, because there were many slaves that were freed. But what makes her special is she was a freed slave that freed slaves. She received that freedom she was emancipated from the grip of tyranny. She didn't check out and go, thank God Almighty, free at last. See you later, suckers. She came out and she's like, I, I gotta, there's more people like me in bondage to slavery. There's more people bound. There's more people under the experiencing the whip of cruelty. I can't, I can't watch this happen. I'm going back. And they said, don't go back, Harriet Tubman. Don't go back, it's not safe. She's like, I don't want safe. This is a God assignment. God put it, He put an assignment in my hand and I don't want to stand before the master one day and say, I didn't do what you asked me to do. So she went back and she got the keys and she unlocked the cages of so many other slaves. And, and history tells us that God led her the way in and the way out. It was supernatural. There's an assignment on your life. It's time for Christians to not be swamps and start to be rivers. You may have been washed and renewed and restored and even allow God to cut away those areas of uncleanness and mess in your life, but are you giving back? The Bible says, freely you have received. Now freely give. I don't want to stand before the master and say, God, you saved me, you washed me. He cleanse me. Hugs. I want to say, God, what you did in me, look behind me. There, there are multitudes of men and women because I multiplied what you put in my hand. When you gave me an assignment, 
I did not toss it aside. I, I did not put it down because it represented inconvenience or intimidation or fear. I held it tightly, Lord. Here is what you have given to me. I've increased it. I've enlarged it. You gave me an investment and I reproduced and multiplied it. Here it is. I don't want to be like the wicked servant who comes back. You gave me one thing and I perceived you to be a hard man, victim. Life was hard, so I buried it. Here, I'll give you back what you gave me. And the Bible says that the master looked at him and cast him out and said, get, get him out of here. You didn't even put my money with the investors. You didn't even try. At least try. He didn't even try. He said, cast him out into darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is weeping and gnashing of teeth? Regret. I don't want any of you. I love you. I don't want any of you. I don't want to stand before God on that day when the world ends and the master comes back to settle accounts, to have regret. I don't want you to be in heaven with regret. I want you to be in heaven with a harvest. God, you may have only given me one talent, but I worked that puppy. I worked that baby. And here you're going to see a mighty return on your investment. Jesus is coming back. And right now as the church goes through a great season of reckoning, can we let him reckon with us? The prophet Michael Jackson said it best. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. Woo! Your homework. Go home. Get alone with God. Go through those points. Where does he need to wash you? What is He revealing to you about the areas that need to be cut away? Now, this is a serious one and one where most Christians fall off. It's why you'll meet a lot of Christians who are saved, but very messy and dysfunctional. Like, how is it so? It's an obedience gap. And then finally, pick up your assignment. The world has need of you. Is there not a cause? Amen. God bless you, everyone. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.